Welcome to Body Signals, a Cygnos podcast. I'm your host, Bill Tanser, Chief Data Scientist at Cygnos. This is Season 1, Episode 9, Apple Cider Vinegar, Ciabatta Bread, J-Lo, and Rats Running Marathons, a chat with Cygnos co-founder, Dr. William Dixon. You may have seen the TV commercials and social media posts touting apple cider vinegar as a way to moderate your blood sugar. On today's show, Dr. Dixon and I will discuss an experiment we conducted, how ACV works to reduce glucose spikes, the current research on the topic, and some suggestions on how you can test ACV for yourself and how you can work it into your diet. While ACV isn't a magic bullet that will give you license to eat anything, it may be a helpful addition to your diet to aid in your weight loss journey. Before we get to the show, some quick disclaimers. Dr. Dixon's statements and opinions made on this show are his own and not necessarily those of his employer. Any statements made by Dr. Dixon on the show are for educational purposes only. Those statements do not constitute medical advice, and no doctor-patient relationship is established by his participation on body signals. Should you have any questions about your own health, you should consult with your physician or healthcare provider. All right, we've got another great show on tap today, and as a special treat, we have Dr. Dixon returning to the show. For those of you that didn't hear our last open, our last episode with Dr. Dixon, uh, he did an AMA and asked me anything, but we had him back today to talk specifically about apple cider vinegar. A little background, we've been doing experiments amongst our staff. It's our method of doing some very simple hypothesis testing. And one of the experiments that we did recently was on apple cider vinegar. The challenge I put to the staff was eat a carby meal, but before you do so, uh, or do a control. So eat a carby meal first, and then the second day, have some apple cider vinegar and water. I think I specified a tablespoon or two tablespoons, I'm not sure. Have that apple cider vinegar first, then consume the carby meal and see what the difference is in your glycemic response or what your glucose numbers are um, for the control versus the carby meal and if there was any difference. And the winner of the challenge, and I say winner, the, uh, the individual who was able to mitigate their glycemic response the most was our very own Dr. Dixon. He had some ciabatta bread. And then the next day had the apple cider vinegar with ciabatta bread. So I just wanted to invite Dr. Dixon onto the show to talk about that experiment. Doc, hey. welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was super interesting. Um, so for our experiment, I cut two same slices of ciabatta bread, same loaf. I measured them against each other. Normal bread size, I would say, maybe like a little thicker. Uh, the first and day, was this was this like a store bought uh, ciabatta or from yes, a it was from a from a store. Okay. Um, so uh, the first day I ate it completely fasted and uh, my glucose went from like in the 90 fasting range up to a 167 in about an hour. And then the whole spike from 90 back down to 90 was about two, two and a half hours. And on the way down, I think I sent a message to you all saying I actually did get a headache and got hungrier after I ate the bread compared to before. And, and, think, and you think that might be because since you've uh, been on Cygnos, you've really kind of been avoiding things like eating large quantities of, of refined carbs? In, in isolation, yeah. I mean, I still have an yeah. occasional sandwich, but usually I pair it with, you know, turkey and all that stuff to make it a little bit longer lasting. Um, but just bread right. by itself, I, yeah, I've mostly been avoiding. 
So from a, from a medical perspective, that big spike in your glucose probably is, is could attrib- be attributed to why you got that headache, or, or maybe is it the dip that happens as a result of that big spike? Um, yeah, my guess is the dip, especially since I, I haven't been used to it. I've been keeping my sugar pretty stable. Um, right, right. I mean, you know, I, I think we talked about this last time before I started using signals, even within a, a few years ago, I would definitely roll my eyes at the idea of people being hangry or saying, oh, you know, my glucose is doing things and that's affecting my mood. But I've come around since then. So I do. It has been pretty, pretty impressive sometimes to note the correlations. Um, you know, not always, but definitely in a case like this, I was like, oh, I feel terrible. Um, so day two, same piece of bread that I had got the day before. Uh, so it got a little stale, but, you know, that's okay. Um, I mixed probably around one or two tablespoons. In, in total honesty, I didn't measure it out. So I don't, maybe it was more than that, but about one or two tablespoons. Equal amount of water. I drank it. I waited probably five to ten minutes, uh, and then I ate the other piece of ciabatta. Uh, and I kept on kind of waiting for the spike to come, and it just never really did. Um, so I went from fasting around 80 to a max of like 103 about an hour later. Um, and then it kind of stayed there for a bit until I, I ate something else like two hours later. So and no, no, no headache at all. No hang, no hangry, no headache. Um, which you that know is, was, was pretty impressive, just from exact same conditions one day later. That, that's fascinating. And one of the reasons we decided to do this experiment, test this hypothesis, is there's been a lot of stuff on social media I've been seeing recently about apple cider vinegar as a tool you can use to to lower your glycemic response to some carby meals. So um, you actually came out with a a pretty positive response just to let everyone know I did the same experiment. I did, um, a, an experiment using potatoes, which I know spiked me and, uh, the apple cider vinegar. I didn't have any difference between my control and the ACV. So that's kind of interesting that we've got, uh, your example. We had a few other members of the team that had pretty remarkable, positive responses, or, or in other words, they're able to mitigate their glycemic response to something carby by having that apple cider vinegar. Uh, I wonder if you could um, you could help us out here, maybe talk about what the mechanism might be. Why do you think that having that apple cider vinegar before the ciabatta bread actually helped you in, in terms of mitigating your response? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, one of the things I kind of always say to our team is anecdotes are good, but data is better. So we always want to be going back to the, the data if we can. Um, so some of the mechanisms, they've done rat studies and human studies, not big studies and not very long studies, um, but there are some studies. So in rats, um, you know, they go into do muscle biopsies and all these things to see which um, what's what's particularly being active, what's kind of protective, um, all these things. And uh, it seems that in rats, especially in like a, a fasted or a fatigued state, so either having I just had done some rat exercise or after a period of fasting, and then the apple cider vinegar in conjunction with some amount of carbohydrates, it seems that the apple cider vinegar helps take that glucose and pre- preferentially store it as glycogen in both the muscle and liver, via different mechanisms um, to get it out of the bloodstream fast and replete those glycogen stores, which is pretty interesting. So the the suggestion from the end of the, that kind of series of papers is that maybe using this apple cider vinegar is especially useful when fatigued or after skipping meals 
um, after exercise, if you're going to have some carbohydrates or even interestingly, as part of like breakfast on a day of competition. So you can kind of boost those glycogen stores. Um, so you can compete harder. Although I think that's, that has some, some conflicting literature as well in terms of humans, but those are some ideas that I thought were pretty interesting. I'm that, curious. That's really interesting about the, the exercise. Um, I, I know that there's been a long history of carbo loading before doing endurance work, like running a marathon, go have that big bowl of pasta the night before. Does this research, I know it doesn't conclusively indicate, but does it show some promise for maybe having some apple cider vinegar before you have that big bowl of pasta as pushing more glycogen into the muscle stores to fuel you up for that next day race? Yeah, I think that's the idea here. And I, again, this is in rats. I don't, I don't know of any studies that have done this in humans and even training your own glycogen stores in humans, I think is a pretty hard thing to have to do. Um, so, so if we put some rats in a marathon, then, <laughs> then we would be good. The apple cider vinegar soaked rats might go a little bit faster. <laughs> sure. That's our, that's the next, the next round of studies I'll be running. I'm uh, sorry. I interrupted you. What are you going to say doc? No, that's fine. Um, and then, uh, in humans, again, hard to take muscle biopsies in humans from, for just the apple cider vinegar studies, but the studies, the, the small studies they have done are pretty interesting. Um, one seems to improve blood glucose uptake. So, uh, having apple cider vinegar before, in this case, it was a um, a post post apple cider vinegar meal of bagel, butter, and OJ, something like seventy five carb grams of carbs, so pretty high. Um, they looked at three different groups: insulin sensitive groups, insulin resistant groups, and then people with type two diabetes. And actually, uh, all three of them had um, significant decreases in glucose compared to the same meal without the apple cider vinegar. And then they calculated a, an insulin response, which was also significantly decreased at 30 and 60 minutes. Uh, I think most interestingly, it was the insulin-resistant group that had the biggest response, not the not the people with diabetes or the or the insulin-sensitive group. So, um, just I think more more example that you know what you eat, what you eat, and when you eat has different um, different effects on your body depending on what you've done before and after, which is one of the things that we kind of always talk about. Yeah, we we do, and it, it's not only that; it's it's also the fact that it might affect you differently. So, uh, when you come to Cygnos, you're a new member. You may not know if you're insulin resistant or not, and it could be that apple cider vinegar helps you a lot, uh, or it could be that you might have a moderate or no response, like I did. But there's no way to really know unless you test it out. So, uh, this might be a great mechanism to test. And you might have a better response. You should try Jibata, and I'll try potatoes and next time. We'll see how that goes. Yes. You know, I just thought of something about the Jibata experiment. And some of our astute listeners who listened to episode four, which was on resistant starch, might argue that when you had stale Jibata the day after, it actually might have built some resistant starch. And that might be responsible for your lower glycemic response versus the apple cider vinegar. Any thoughts? It was relatively fresh, but I think I'd already had it for like two days. So it's certainly between two and three days, maybe, but it wasn't like fresh out of the oven or anything. So, you know, all, all studies being controlled, I would have to go back and buy a new fresh loaf of bread and, and try again. Um, but still, you know, a difference of almost 70 points or 60 points still seems like a lot to contribute to attribute to resistant starch alone. 
Right, right. So, I mean, the one way to to rule that out, like you said, is you can go get a fresh uh, loaf of ciabatta, do it again. You already have the control, so you don't have to go through that um, that hypoglycemia and resulting headache. So you could just test it again and see if you've got the same response. So with uh, apple cider vinegar, is there any indication as to what the right dose should be? I've heard everything from people drinking straight apple cider vinegar to people diluting from one tablespoons to two tablespoons in either an equal amount of water or eight ounces of water. Is there any guidance where someone should start? Sure. Uh, I'm going to add another answer to your previous question about the mechanism. So one of the other proposed mechanisms in humans anyways, is that it might decrease your early carbohydrate digestion by decreasing the action of something called salivary amylase, which is in your saliva and helps start breaking down carbohydrates basically as soon as you start to eat them. And so if you decrease that action, it might delay the digestion of those carbohydrates until later in your small intestine, your stomach, so that you don't actually digest as many of the carbohydrates as you would otherwise. So that's a pretty interesting Interesting. thought as well. Again, more proof that how you eat things and the meal order and all that stuff can matter as well, even for digestion, even if the, you know, the number of calories or the energy per, per the meal is the same, you know, you die, you can digest it differently. So the right dose, uh, you know, doses are always interesting in medicine, right? Too, too little of anything does nothing. And too much of anything is a poison, including water. So you always want to be careful with dosing it. The studies that look at this, and that's what I'm going to base this on, are using around 20 grams of vinegar. And that, of course, depends on the content, the vinegar content of whatever drink, apple cider vinegar drink that you're using. But that seems to kind of get you to around two to four tablespoons per day. Um, Generally, you do want to mix it with water because it's not particularly delicious. And then many people drink drink it with a straw. Uh, so that it doesn't touch your teeth as much because the acid can actually damage the enamel of your teeth. Um, and you can get some kind of teeth erosion there. Uh, yeah, I, I was doing doing some prep for this. I read some of the contraindications. And one that I read was about that um, that erosion that's possible in your, uh, your teeth's enamel. So um, I've read that there are some suggestions of either drinking through a straw or, or alternatively, you could rinse your mouth out with some water after doing uh, either a strong solution or a straight shot of apple cider vinegar. might be another way of getting that acid off of your teeth. Yeah, and probably still effective when you eat it with a salad or if you put it into a, you know, a green smoothie, that kind of thing. So, you know, we talked about timing. It doesn't necessarily have to be before. You know, they're only people were only drinking it two minutes before in these studies to show these results. So, you know, whether two minutes before, or maybe pretty soon with the meal, or maybe right after, probably still has still has at least some effect. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other big contraindication that I've I've heard about is just um, people that have uh, stomach problems, gastrointestinal problems. Sometimes drinking uh, something that's acidic can can exacerbate a problem. So yeah. I, I guess the the suggestion, if you have any stomach trouble, gastrointestinal trouble, maybe this may not be the thing to test. Yeah, definitely. So the pH of it is, I think, two point four to two point seven in that range, which is not so dissimilar from lemon juice or um, certain sodas. So you know, it's not necessarily going to rip a hole in your stomach, but if it's something that you already struggle with, it, it probably wouldn't help. So it definitely, if you, if it bothers you, you know, as with everything, 
best to avoid. And then it's some people I've seen other uses for it and treating wounds and that kind of thing. And I definitely wouldn't do any of that without um, talking to a physician first. So it is not a topical treatment. You know, any, any strong acid on your skin can, can cause pain and damage. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about apple cider vinegar, the, the key ingredient there that seems to be the, the ingredient that causes this um, mitigation of glycemic response or lowering of fasting glucose is acetic acid. Uh, I did some research. Your average apple cider vinegar has 6% acetic acid. Balsamic vinegar has about the same, about 6%. What are your thoughts on maybe just doing this with balsamic vinegar? I, I know personally, apple cider vinegar was just not my favorite pre-meal drink. And I think even if I put it on a salad, I, I don't know that I would really prefer it. Uh, I think I would I'd prefer having the balsamic vinegar. So what do you think about um, using balsamic instead of apple cider? Well, I think if it works for you and you can see some responses in your in your own curve, that's great. I don't know about any head-to-head trials comparing the two or anything like that. And I, as far as I understand, uh, apple cider vinegar has kind of been the most studied from like a therapeutic or medical standpoint. Um, that might just be because it tastes worse and, you know, medicine's not supposed to t- taste good, <laughs> uh, but uh, something to look into for sure. And then, yeah. you know, I know it. we talked about before, but it really helped with your uh, specific response to some, some of the foods that you've eaten. Um, so I think if that works for you, go for it. Yeah, and I think it's something to test. Now, one thing you do need to be careful about with balsamic is that there are some natural sugars and added sugars and some balsamic vinegars. So before, right before recording, I ran up to my pantry. I've got two balsamics. I've got the the cheapest grocery store balsamic I could find, which I use for marinades, and it's um, it only had, I think, three grams of added sugar. And then I have the one I use for dipping, which is like an aged balsamic. It's very syrupy, very viscous, and it's 11 grams of sugar per tablespoon. So balsamics, check the label, check the nutritional label. You might be counteracting whatever um, benefits you can get from the acetic acid by that added sugar. I think that's uh, one of the arguments against the apple cider vinegar gummies as well, is that they kind oh, of... Oh, uh, you stole my next topic, <laughs> the apple sugar. Ev, I, I cannot I avoid these those, commercials. Though. I have. I cannot avoid these commercials. Every time I turn on the TV, now it's J-Lo is uh, advertising a brand of um, apple cider vinegar gummy. These were the first things I tried when I started using Cygnos back in April of last year. And my blood sugar went up. My glucose levels went up Hmm. after having a couple of these. And I think you probably know the answer to this. I think everyone probably knows the answer to this. Same with the balsamic vinegar. It's added sugar. So I I think it was two. A a, um, serving of two of those gummies is, I can't remember if it was 6 or 12 grams of sugar. But it was quite a bit of sugar. And, And they taste good. So if you have like four... You're, now you're having 12 or 24 grams of sugar. And, um, yeah, it's it's interesting if they can make one that doesn't have the added sugar. I would check the nutritional label, A, and B, I would test it. So, you know, buy some, do one of these experiments, try to control for everything that you can and see what happens. 
uh, you're mentioning your viscous, delicious balsamic vinegar, which reminded me of something that I've only had a few times, but I've always found delicious is like a, you know, one of those dark, delicious balsamic vinegars with Parmesan cheese. And I just mm. like a nice, you know, aged Parmesan cheese. I just put it together. One of the, um, one of the other studies that they looked at, this is all in people with type two diabetes. Um, none of them on insulin though. They had, uh, some two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar before bed mixed with a piece of cheese actually. Um, and, uh, for the people who had average higher fasting glucoses, it brought them down quite a bit, um, compared to the people who had lower fasting glucoses, it didn't change it all that much. Um, but they were wondering if there was maybe some synergistic effect with the cheese, something else that they needed to study. But the, but the thought was that maybe it kind of blocked that, uh, the dawn phenomenon. So that pre-breakfast rise and fasting glucose by keeping those liver stores all locked away. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's another great experiment to try is a bedtime, either apple cider vinegar or maybe do the balsamic and maybe some good Parmesan Reggiano. Yeah, perfect. And see what you get. That's that's a great idea. And, you know, the other way uh, I've, I've read about, and this is all anecdotal, I don't know that it's been studied, but based on some of the other things we've seen, what you mentioned before, Doc, this idea of taking a, a nice vinegar, be it apple cider or balsamic, and putting it on some dark greens and eating it right before your meal, especially a carby meal, it might help with your glycemic response. But I think it's, it's just such a great idea to get those dark greens anyway that um, you'll be getting a tasty way to start your meal and possibly lowering your, your glucose as well. Yeah, and you might be eating less of whatever that was you're supposed to be eating as well if you're already a little bit full from the greens. So it uh, yeah. works in works in many ways. Absolutely. I, you know, I, the other thing that I wanted to get across about these experiments, and this gets to the behavioral side of things, uh, there, there's a TED Talk I love. It's by uh, uh, MD-PhD out of uh, UMass, Dr. Judson Brewer. He runs the, uh, not runs, he's the head of uh, research for the Center of Mindfulness. He does this great TED Talk about habits. And one of the things that he says about bad habits, you know, be it smoking or overeating or alcohol, he recommends getting curious about your habit. So just ask yourself questions about what drives you to do something and what the results are of doing something. And that alone can go a long way and not just breaking bad habits, but building good ones. And I think one of the things that's great about these experiments, and I encourage everyone to try them, is that it builds a healthy habit of being curious about what you're eating, what affects your health, what affects your glucose, and then making small changes to, uh, to adjust. And the benefit is just better health as you find the things that work better for you. Yeah, I love that. Someone was finding that that toddler mentality again. Like, why? Why? Exactly. <laughs> Keep Wait, asking but, that but, question. But why? why? <laughs> having right. spent a lot of time with my nephews in the last week. Doc, great having you again on Body Signals. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. We look forward to having you again. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be the winner of some of our other experiments. So we'll have a lot to talk about. Sounds great. Thank you for joining us today on Body Signals. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Signos Health, 
And if you're interested in becoming a Cygnos member, go to Cygnos.com on the web to request early access. Until next time.